back in January, our niece called us up and said she wanted to come and stay with us for three weeks. And well, you all know Franklin or Ben Franklin's quip that uh, company and fish are the same, right? Why are they the same? Because after three days, it stinks. But we didn't feel that way about my niece. We were so excited for her to come and visit us and, and for her to stay for that time was just a real joy. But before she came, Denise and I had to get our little guest room ready. So, you know, we fixed up the curtains, we vacuumed, we changed the sheets, we, we emptied out some of the drawers in the dresser so that she could put her stuff in. We took some things out of the closet so she could have room for her clothes. I even changed the toilet paper holder in her bathroom. I mean, that's... <laughs> See, we really wanted her to feel honored. We wanted to make that room worthy of her stay, worthy of being able to be there and feel comfortable and feel like she was special. And so we did all we could to make that room worthy of her stay. Today we're continuing our, our sermon series on the, the biblical importance for church. Last, year, last week, Pastor John D. spoke about the foundations of church and, and why we gather and what takes place uh, as a church. Today I'm going to focus more on the purpose of church and specifically the purpose of Faith Community Church. Our purpose statement says, Faith Community Church exists to equip everyone for spiritual maturity and fruitfulness. Will you read that with me? FCC exists to equip everyone for spiritual maturity and fruitfulness. I'll pray with me now. Oh Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to talk about why you have brought Faith Community Church into existence and your desire and design for us and what you would have for us. Lord, help me as I speak to speak your words out of your word and help those who are listening to hear exactly what you would have for them. Work this morning, Lord. Work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So Faith Community Church exists to equip everyone for spiritual maturity and fruitfulness. And I love that. I love that because it is packed, packed with scripture. You know, the, the elders worked very hard last year to encapsulate in that phrase exactly what needed to be said about our purpose. And so let's look, let's look now at the scripture, uh, some of the scripture that this is based on. First is this passage from the book of Ephesians. So the apostle Paul wrote this and he says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So because of this passage, as the elders worked to, to make that, that phrase, that uh, special statement, our purpose statement, they took seriously what this is saying, that Christ gave a certain group of people to the church 
that group of people is a gift to the church. And he defines it here. He says, apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastor teacher. I crossed out the end because the end is not there in the Greek. It's really one, one office, pastor teacher. It's the shepherd. Now, we know that, that currently we don't have any apostles anymore. The apostles died within that first century. Uh, but we have elders in our church and church leaders. The prophets would equate to our teachers because a prophet is somebody who tells forth the word of God. And so we have teachers. Evangelists are those who have the special gift of evangelism. Now, we all have the gift of being a witness. We have all witnessed salvation in our own hearts and witnessed the Lord's work in our lives. But there are certain people who have a special gift of evangelism. And then there are also the pastor's teachers, which are the shepherds of the church. So this passage is saying that Christ has given those four offices to the church as a gift, and they have a job description. Their job description is to equip the saints. Well, the saints are you, okay? The, biblically, the word saint just means followers of Christ, the believers. So you are the saints. So the, those leaders have the responsibility to teach or to equip the saints for what? For the work of ministry. So that means you have a job description. The leaders have the job description to equip and you have a job description to do the works of ministry, the actual work of ministry. Now I know a lot of churches and including ours over time has lost focus on that and we, we tend, churches tend to go to to the, the model where we feel like the paid guys, they're the ones who do the work. The rest of us come and we sit and we listen and then we volunteer for things every now and then. That's not biblically how it's supposed to be. It's the leaders who are to prepare you to do the work of the ministry. So you are the ones who are developing the programs. You are the ones who are reaching out to the community. You are the ones who are volunteering and making things happen in the church. You do the work of ministry. It's the leader's responsibility to prepare and equip you for that. We, our responsibility is to build into you and give you all the resources that you need to train you so now I want to just talk for a minute about the you in this. Who is the you? There's another biblical passage that defines what the you is. Who is the you? Well, it's every one of you. Listen to this passage from Colossians. It says, him, Christ, we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. You getting the message? Everyone. Everyone. So the elders, as, they, as we think about this and we think about our purpose statement, we see very clearly that Christ has given us a call. That call is to equip everyone, everyone for spiritual maturity and fruitfulness. We are actually responsible for your maturity. The elders are the shepherds of the congregation underneath the head shepherd of Christ. And they are responsible to present all of you mature, fruitful in Christ. They have to give an account for your maturity. Now, you are responsible 
too, right? You, you don't just get to sit back and say, well, it's their responsibility. You have to want to grow. You have to pour into, into yourself how to grow. But the elders are held accountable for everyone in this church. And that's you. That's you. And so our elders strive for your growth. They strive for your maturity. They strive for your fruitfulness. At least we're trying. We're trying to get better at that. And this last year has been a year of really seeking to improve some of the processes in our church in order to really fulfill our purpose, which is to equip you to do the works of ministry. And that you is every one of you. Jesus talked about this in another way. You remember the parable of the sower or the parable of the seeds. So Jesus says there's a, there's a sower and he's casting seeds and some of the seeds fall along the roadside and those seeds don't take any root because the roadside is too hard so they don't root. Some of the seeds fall into shallow soil. They take root and grow quickly but when the sun comes out because there's no foundation, those seeds wither away. Some seeds get scattered among the weeds. Those weeds grow up and choke out the plant, and so they die and wither away. But finally, some seeds fall in the good soil. Those seeds take root, and those seeds produce a hundred times the fruit than the seed itself. That's amazing. So I've been through, through sermons where, where uh, preachers will try to determine, so which of those four, which are the Christians, which are the non-Christians? That's not the point of it. The point is Jesus wants every one of us to be the seed that falls in the good soil and bear a hundred times as much. We're not supposed to be the seed that falls by the wayside or, or that falls among the thorns. Every one of us, Jesus' intent is that every one of us would be the fruitful seed bearer. You know, we're in planting season right now. I know we have farmers in our congregation. Well, these farmers are pouring their lives into the soil. Their blood, sweat, and tears goes into all of that, not so that they have an anemic crop, right? They want a full crop. They want, they want a, a huge fruitfulness to come out of it. Why? Because that's why they're working so hard, so they can produce that fruit. Well, it's the same way in the Christian life. Let me put it this way. Jesus didn't die so you and I would be half-hearted followers of him. He didn't die on the cross, raised from the dead, rise up into heaven and interceding for us so that you and I could be anemic believers, right? He wants us to be vital, mature, fruitful, producing fruit 30, 60, 100 times. Paul puts it another way in another passage, and here's, here's where I want to land today. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And he says, To this end also we pray for you always, that our God will count you worthy of your calling. That's the phrase right there. Worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power so that the name of the Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So God here gives us a clear picture of what spiritual maturity looks like. We are to live worthy of our calling. Worthy of our calling. So think about this with me for a minute. Who did the calling? God, 
God, the God of the universe, the all-powerful God has a call on your life. God who is majestic and is, dwells in splendor, who there's, there's fire before him and fire after him, that God has a call on your life. If nothing else gives us purpose, that should. God has called you. And the calling, there, there are two types of call in the Bible. There's the call to salvation, which comes through Jesus Christ who died for your sins on the cross. When we put our faith and trust in him, that's God calling us. Every one of you here, every single person in here, whether you're a follower of Christ or not a follower of Christ yet, he is calling you. His call is on your life. He wants you to say, I repent of my sin. I want to live for God, and I give my life over to him and let him come in your heart. That's the call. But there's another call. Once you've done that, there's a call on us, on each one of us, and that call is to live a life worthy of his work. Now, think about this for a minute. Every Sunday, we preach the grace of Christ. We preach that you can do nothing to earn salvation, that no matter how many good works you might do, it won't matter to God because he's not gonna be impressed with your good works because there's sin in your heart. We preach all the time that we can do nothing in our own strength. It's only by God and through his grace. And yet Paul is saying, we should live a life worthy of God. How do those two things mix? How How do we make that jive? How can we live worthy of our calling? Doesn't it go against grace? Well, Paul gives us the answer right here. Here's how. He says that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith by power. Every desire for goodness. What is that? That is Christ's inner motivational work in our hearts. You see, God wants to fulfill our every desire for goodness. He's talking about the desires of our hearts. God says he will give us the desires of our hearts. Now, I know that sometimes we think that means God will give us everything we want. It's not. What he's saying is he'll give us the desires of our heart. He'll actually put in the desires that our heart should have. You see, when you're a follower of Christ, he's working in your heart. He's changing your heart. He's reshaping you. He is giving you a new heart. He is changing your way of thinking. He's transforming your mind. All of that is a work of God as he reshapes us, as he makes us new. Your desires are being shaped by God working in your heart. So it's like this, who here wants to be more patient, right? Come on, every hand should go up here, right? Every hand. Who here wants to be more pure or more faithful or more eager to share the gospel? We all do. Why is that in your heart? Because God put it there. Those are not natural things. Our natural thing is to protect ourselves, right? It's not natural to want these things. The fact that that those are in your heart is because God has transformed your heart and he's working in, in you. But it's so important that we understand that if it just stays there, then it's like the seed that never took root because it has to work itself out in works of faith. So so these desires ought to result in our works of faith. It says that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. So God not only gives us the desires of our heart, 
He also gives us the power to work that out in our lives. You know, it's like, it's like the desires are the seed and the works are the fruit. And the scripture is clear as to what the fruit that God is looking for is. These things should appear in your life. So the Bible is clear about this. There are, there are six passages that specifically talk about the fruit that should be existing in our life. We're gonna go through those right now. The first is Christ's character. We should see Christ's character growing in us. We see this in the fruit of the Spirit. It says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These things should be growing in you. If your heart has been transformed by Christ, these things should be on the increase in your life. The second is Christian holiness. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. So that's not only talking about sanctification when we will be made completely holy, when we're out of this sinful body and with Jesus in heaven, but it's talking about that beautiful process of God making us holier and holier each day as we follow him. Christian holiness should be growing in your life. That's one of the fruits that should be existing. A desire for others' salvation. Paul says, I have planned to come to you, talking to the Romans, and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you. That fruit that he's looking to obtain are believers. He's looking to go and preach the gospel and to gain fruit. So the desire to see people saved should be growing in your heart. The desire to share, the desire to, to be concerned over those who don't know the Lord should be growing in your heart. That's an evidence of Christ in your, in your life. Praising lips. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God and that praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So our mouths should be speaking in a way that exhibits that Christ is growing in our heart, right? Our mouths, what comes out of our mouths? Praising lips, good works, number five, good works. This says, walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. There's that phrase again, worthy of the Lord. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So good works ought to be growing in your life. You ought to be seeing an increase over the last six months. Are you doing more good works? Is there more good coming out of you than it was six months ago? And finally, generous giving. Uh, this is Paul writing to the Romans. He says, Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make a contribution to the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. This fruit of theirs, and then he goes on to say a bunch of other things, but here's the point, that their giving, their generosity was fruit, was a fruit of what Jesus had done in their life. So these things should be present. Again, let me put these all together now. So it says, to this end also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. And we have all those things, the fruit that we should be seeing in our lives. So 
our challenge is to take a moment, now, later, take an hour, take longer than an hour, but examine your heart and ask yourself, is Christ's character really growing in me? Who was I six months ago or a year ago? Am I more holy than I was? Do I desire for people to be saved more? You get the picture. Take time to examine your heart with these things. And you're all smart enough to know that if they're in your heart but not coming out, it means nothing, right? Right, like so, so uh, you know, I may, I may want to be patient, let's say, but if I'm not practicing my patience, then it really doesn't matter what I want, right? right? I have to practice it. I may want to be holy, but if I am not making choices to stay away from the computer or to not be with my boyfriend or girlfriend in a situation that is tempting, then it, my wanting to be holy really doesn't make a difference. If I want others to be saved but I'm not speaking the gospel, doesn't matter how much I want it, right? Yeah. How about if I want to praise, have praising lips but I continue to practice gossip continue to complain, continue to use coarse language? Does my desire for praising lips really matter? It doesn't. It's got to come out. And finally, I may want to be generous, but until I let go of my money, I'm not generous, right? You're not generous just in your heart. You're generous when it actually happens. Well, I don't know about you, but sometimes I can feel pretty overwhelmed by this. In fact, this doesn't necessarily feel like fruit to bear, it feels like a cross to bear. It's a lot. How can I be all that? How can I do all that? It's too much. But I love, I love that this verse has one special word in it. It says, to this end also we pray for you always that God, our God, will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith. Fulfill. You see, it is God who fulfills these things in us. The NIV uses the word brings to fruition, and I like that because it's got fruit, it's got fruit in there, right? It brings to fruit the things that God is doing in our heart. You see, it's God who does the work. So what's my responsibility? Do I just sit back and give up? No, but instead of seeking all of those things, I gotta seek Christ. I have to see Christ and Christ alone, have my, my, my vision zeroed in, laser vision on Jesus. Because when I am there, then all of these desires of my heart, he starts to develop. And when I am there, he gives me the power to bring those desires out of my heart and into good works. Come out of my heart and into my hands, into my mouth, into my eyes. That's how it works. See, we must follow Christ. We must seek him first. He'll give all these things to us when we seek him first. And the more we seek him, the more these things will be on the crescendo, on the, on the upswing, on the increase. D.A. Carson puts it this way. He says, the truth is that unless God works in us and through us, unless God empowers these good purposes of ours, they will not engender any enduring spiritual fruit. They will not display any life-transforming, people-changing power. Unless the Lord builds the house, 
the laborers labor in vain. And when he is the one doing the work in us and through us, it results in praise to him. Listen to this. To this end also we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power, and here's why. So that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him. So you get this? When when we are doing this, when Christ is changing our hearts and working that out into our lives, and we are zeroed in on Christ, his name is glorified. And to to bring glory to the Lord just simply means to make him look as good as he really is, which means I can make him look less than he really is too, right? So so I have to choose, Lord, I wanna glorify you. That's what I wanna do. I want you to look as good as you are in my life. So when people see me, they see you and not, ooh, that's not becoming, right? I wanna see Christ. But you notice it also says here to that, that we will be glorified, that Christ will be glorified in us, but he says, and you glorified in him. Wait, I get to be glorified? Well, yeah, eventually, right? When, you know, when we're in glory, but this is talking about now. What does it mean that I should be glorified in Christ? It means that I look like Christ. It means that Christ is working in me so that, so that he is coming out of me. That's how I am glorified in Christ. It's really, it's this beautiful, it's this beautiful chart that I'd like to show you. It says we, we become worthy when this beautiful process takes place in our lives. So, so look at this with me. So we have my desires for doing God's will, and the verse there is to fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith. So we have my desire and my working it out brings praise to God through his work in me because he's the one who works. That's so that the name of the Lord Jesus will be glorified in you. And in doing that, I find fulfillment in Christ because of his work. And that's you being glorified in him. And because I'm glorified in him and I find fulfillment, well, I just want to do this over and over and over again. So I have more desire to do more work and more power because I'm focusing on Christ. And so that brings praise to him, which gives fulfillment to me, which makes me want to desire it more. You see that beautiful process. It's it's just such a beautiful thing. So this has a, a personal aspect to it because this is what takes place in each of our lives. You see, if I come back to that guest room idea, Denise and I got our guest room ready, but what if we had left a big pile of junk right in the middle of the room? Would our niece have felt comfortable in there? If she had to trip over the junk to get to the closet or sort through the junk to to find the dresser, she wouldn't have, the room wouldn't have been worthy of her stay. Well, it's the same way in our lives. Our hearts need to be worthy of all that Jesus did for us. And we can't do that on our own, but God is willing to bring to fruition that worthiness, to make us worthy of him. So what does this have to do with the church? How does this apply to church? Well, it applies beautifully because if each one of us is doing this beautiful cycle and then we come to church and we bring that cycle here, 
Well, then we have a church that's doing the same cycle, a church that's desiring and doing God's will, a church that is, through their work, praising God because he is working in us and then finding fulfillment because Christ is working in us. So this beautiful process, as, as a church fills with the fruit of your life, the church becomes fruitful. As the church fills with your maturity, the church becomes mature. And the church has more resources to impact the world for Christ. And more people come to know Christ and join that process, and he is glorified all the more. And the last part of that verse actually says, all according to the grace of Christ. See, it's God's gift to us. The fact that we get to do this, it's God's gift to us. And what a gift, what a joy. And so the question that I wanna leave with you is this, are, are you willing, are you willing to take away from today's message making a commitment to pray? And this is all I'm asking you to do, not to do anything big, just to pray. Are you willing to pray that God would make you worthy of his calling, of your calling, his calling on you? Are you willing to pray that God would fulfill your every desire for goodness and your work of faith by his power? Are you willing to pray that the name of the Lord Jesus would be glorified in you and that you would be glorified in him? all according to his grace. We're going to sing a final song now that really speaks about this, and I, I just want you to uh, stand now as we, we come to the Lord and just sing, sing in this way. <laughs>